0: All right, everybody. It is Friday, December 23rd. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Wanunu.
1: And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts.
0: And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Uh, Jill, like the song goes, the weather outside is frightful. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it, it really is. <laughs> um, some quick housekeeping before we get started. This is going to be our last daily podcast of the year, um, but we will be dropping a special edition with our predictions for 2023. Uh, it should be a really fun episode. We're in the process of putting it together now, and you can look for that next week on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, we've been soliciting uh, your predictions. Uh, some of you have some pretty good ones, so we'll be sharing those in that edition as well.
1: One prediction. The Mo News podcast breaks the top 10 again, uh, Mosh. We can keep trying,
0: right? I have hopes. I have high hopes.
1: <sighs> OK, let's get to some news here. Temperatures across the U.S. are dropping in some places by 70 degrees in less than 24 hours. Sam Bankman Freed had his first court appearance in the U.S. yesterday, hours after being extradited to the states. His two number twos have pleaded guilty and are cooperating with law enforcement. Will the real Mr. Santos please stand up? Major questions about one of the incoming Republican congressmen from Long Island. A code red for Google. Why they are freaking out about a new AI app. And Moshe has a final on this day for us in 2022 with some music history.
0: Jill, here's your clue. If you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted, one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip?
1: You know, even with you just reading it, I still get the chills from that song. Uh, the Eminem song. Uh, what is Lose Yourself?
0: There you go. We'll have a little bit of music history uh, and we have a little bit of uh, musical news related to Justin Bieber coming up in the podcast as well.
1: All right. Let's start with that powerful winter storm, bringing heavy snow, strong winds and dangerously cold temperatures to the central United States with conditions expected to worsen through the rest of the week. Around 100 million people are under a winter weather alert. More than 2,000 flights have already been canceled ahead of the Christmas holiday weekend. The National Weather Service says the powerful storm is expected to produce widespread disruptive and potentially crippling impacts across the central and eastern United States through the rest of the week. Low temperatures combined with forceful winds are leading to wind chills as low as minus 40 degrees in some areas, which can cause frostbite within minutes. And in some cities, the temperature drops will have been remarkable. Okay, in Casper, Wyoming, in less than 18 hours from Wednesday to Thursday, the temperature dropped 70 degrees. In Denver, it dropped 65 degrees in 16 hours. And in Amarillo, Texas, it dropped 42 degrees in six hours.
0: Yeah, this uh, Arctic plunge came in quick, came in hard. Denver was something, uh, Jill. The largest plunge came when temperatures dropped 47 degrees in just two hours on Wednesday, from 46 degrees at around 4 p.m. to minus one by about 6 p.m. In Cheyenne, uh, you mentioned them, the temperature plunged from 43 to 3 in just 30 minutes on Wednesday afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like just incredible, like like apocalyptic movie standards. Just like full on, you know, you could stand outside in some of these cases you could go from like a t-shirt and now you're needing to wear gloves.
1: I'm just picturing myself walking the baby, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, I go for walks that are a lot longer than 30 (laughs) minutes.
0: (laughs) You you look outside or you look at the weather app, you're like, oh, it's a 40, (laughs) you know, it's 55 (laughs) degrees. Great. And then like by the end of the walk, you're coming in, it's negative one. You're like, what just happened? I would probably do like a code
1: red to my husband, like pick me up right now, you know? And he'd be like, why? It's beautiful out.
0: It it came in like one of those storms where like suddenly this crazy monsoon comes in and you have to like rush to go indoors. It just came in 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 cold air form so you're seeing this cold air mass that has plunged into the into the u.s into the northern plains down into texas as you mentioned now across the midwest it's headed towards the east coast in the next 18 hours basically if you're listening to this depending on what time you listen to this on friday uh, right. it could be here already <laughs> okay, um, okay it's wait, a, Mosh,
1: but the 30 minutes like you could start the podcast and it could be 43 right. degrees <laughs> by the time you finish it's it's zero
0: By the time we get to on this day, it's zero. (laughs) Um, And so you have this what's called flash freeze conditions on roadways across the central and southern plains as people are driving. Again, not prepared for this. And this immediately freezes water, uh, creates uh, icy situations. They haven't salted effectively. You have major issues. And you mentioned the flight cancellations. There's a whole bunch of delays as well. There's a lot of lots of Americans this weekend are traveling uh, on the road. Overall, 113 million Americans are expected to travel at least 50 miles from home this holiday season. These are numbers we haven't seen since before the pandemic. It's actually the third busiest travel year since the year 2000, according to AAA. As I mentioned, folks in the Northeast are going to see this happen on Friday. You're going to be waking up in New York, Boston, Philly, D.C. with a nice little 50, 60 degree day. Then the flash freeze happens uh, by Friday afternoon into Friday evening you will also be seeing temperature drops of 30 to 50 degrees. So beware uh, if you're on the East Coast today because that's what's next.
1: I'm just looking on my Apple weather. The high tomorrow is 55 and the low is 11 degrees. So you would assume that that means that the low is in the morning and that the high is sometime in the afternoon, but I I think it's going to be reversed.
0: No, it's very interesting, right? Uh, Noon, New York, 44 degrees, 2 p.m., 36 degrees, 4 p.m., 27 degrees, 6 p.m., 23 degrees, by 10 p.m., 18 degrees. Uh, And I don't know if that's going to effectively capture the feels like, oh, no, when you go to feels like, it's going to feel like 51 at 8 a.m. And in New York, it'll feel like 6 degrees at 8 p.m. That's your day.
1: And most forecasters are also warning people who live in the Great Lakes and the Northeast to prepare for power outages with wind gusts in some areas set to surpass 50 miles per hour. Okay, on to our next story. Sam Bankman-Fried, the disgraced founder of the crypto exchange FDX, appeared in a U.S. courtroom in New York Thursday to face eight counts of fraud and conspiracy. It was his first appearance on American soil since his arrest last week in the Bahamas. He was extradited to the U.S. late Wednesday. A judge released him on a $250 million bail package proposed by federal prosecutors and lawyers for Bankman-Fried. That also requires him to have an electronic monitoring bracelet and be under house arrest at his parents' home in Palo Alto, California. He's already surrendered his passport. This is called a personal recognizance bond. It is a written commitment from the accused to appear in court when ordered. In return, Bankman-Fried's camp would not be required to meet the full collateral requirements on the bail. The bond was secured by equity in his family home and by the signatures of his parents and two other individuals with, quote, considerable assets.
0: This was the mystery. Hmm. I caught that in the CNBC story. Who are these two other individuals with considerable assets? I'm sure we will learn their names, and uh, there's no shortage of theories going around. For those confused, because I've gotten a lot of notes about this, this doesn't mean that the Freeds, uh, that the parents of Sam Bankman Freed have a home that is valued at $250 million. Uh, It doesn't actually need to correlate to the bail amount specifically. It's not a $250 million home. The function is to provide assurance that a defendant will comply with the conditions of their release. So in this case, there's enough value that the judges determine that there's no way they'll allow bankman Freed to run because they could lose too much. Uh, keep in mind, there are other restrictions on bankman Freed as he gets sent home here. Uh, the former FTX CEO will be barred from opening any lines of credit of more than $1,000 while awaiting trial um, the assistant U.S. attorney general, while saying in court that Bankman fried was the heart of a fraud of epic proportions, said that Bankman fried did voluntarily return to the U.S., has no history of flight risk. Of course, you know, he gave himself up for extradition. He has significantly reduced financial assets. In fact, Bankman fried has said he is down to $100,000 after uh, once running an empire that was worth $32 billion just a couple months ago. And this does cap off a very eventful 48 hours related to this case. Because we also learned on Thursday that two of his top lieutenants, that's Caroline Ellison and Gary Wing, pleaded guilty uh, to related fraud charges. They're cooperating with law enforcement. I'm sure that does not help him out. By the way, um, Caroline Ellison, she's Sam's ex-girlfriend. And so there's a a lot of interesting connections and potentially knowledge that she has.
1: So she served as the chief executive of Alameda Research, that hedge fund owned by Bankman Freed where he is accused of sending billions of FTX funds. She again pleaded guilty to seven counts that mirror a significant portion of Bankman frieds indictment. Her charges include conspiracies to commit wire fraud, securities fraud and commodities fraud and also money laundering. She faces up to 110 years in prison. Gary Wang was FTX's former chief technology officer and co-founder. He pleaded guilty to four conspiracy and fraud-related counts, and he faces up to 50 years in prison.
0: It's remarkable how quick this has been. You know, keep in mind, they only filed for bankruptcy a month ago. And the fact that they already have these indictments and they've already gotten these people to plead guilty for potentially a lifetime in prison just shows how shabby the work was at um, at FTX. The fact that they weren't trying to hide anything, like, like the person who's taken over the company says, this was just straight fraud. So this is what's next, everyone. Uh, He will enjoy the holidays, I guess, with his parents, and then he will have another hearing where he will enter his plea and be arraigned January 3rd in New York City. Uh, And just wanted to put that $250 million bail into context. Jill, let's compare it to a a couple recent uh, white-collar thieves. Bernie Madoff had a $10 million bond while he awaited trial. Jeffrey Skilling, the former Enron CEO, a $5 million bond. Elizabeth Holmes, the Theranos founder, uh, posted a $500,000 bond. So that just gives you a sense of how seriously the judge is taking this at $250 million. All right. As we head into warmer weather across much of the U.S. in the coming months, one way to stay cool and continue to get a good night's sleep is by checking out Bowl & Branch Bedding & Sheets. They're a brand that we love here at Mo News. We only endorse products that we love. And we've been using Bowl & Branch for more than two years now in our home. The sheets have been great Soft, breathable fabric that works for both cold and warm weather. We noticed the quality immediately and have gotten a few different sets in our house. I know Jill has as well. They're made with 100% organic cotton, completely free from toxins. I know that is very important to a number of you. And it's not just sheets. They have blankets, duvets, pillows, a whole variety of products to ensure you get a good night's sleep. And right now, they have a great deal for the Mo News community. Go check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed. Again, they get softer with every wash. So the deal right now is 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONews over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code MONews for 15% off. Exclusions do apply. See site for details.
1: Okay, time now for the speed read from NBC News. If it were the plot to a novel, it would be dismissed as excessively unrealistic. But Representative-elect George Santos appears to have made up a personal biography that really is almost entirely fictional. The New York Times broke this story in brutal fashion this week, noting that the incoming Republican congressman representing Northern Nassau County in New York and parts of Queens appears to have lied about his educational background, his private sector experience, And even his nonprofit work, Santos appears to have become very wealthy very quickly. And it's not at all clear how. And over the last 24 hours, the Jewish publication The Forward reported that Santos' emotional narrative of having Jewish grandparents who fled Europe during World War II also appears to be untrue. In fact, while Santos described himself during the campaign as a Latino Jew, The Forward says it appears uh, Santos isn't even Jewish. And if that was not enough, Santos this year also became the first openly gay Republican to win a House seat as a non-incumbent. This race was a big race, actually. Um, Santos, uh, openly gay, and his opponent, uh, the Democrat, Robert Zimmerman, also openly gay. But motions it's against this backdrop that the Daily Beast reports on Santos's previously unacknowledged 2019 divorce from a woman, which ended just 12 days before he established his first congressional campaign with his claims of being an out and proud gay Republican.
0: So I guess that's that's the one piece of his bio where you could still say, well, no, I, I am gay now, but it was interesting that we didn't know about this marriage to a woman or he didn't acknowledge it uh, until recently. So that his faith is in question and then it's his college background, then it's his financial background, then it's his family biography. Um, there's a lot here. All that we've gotten so far, Santos has refused to say anything except he tweeted on Thursday, I have my story to tell, and it will be told next week. Okay. Um, his attorney says that this is just a smear campaign, uh, but otherwise the, the campaign, uh, Santos's office, has refused to answer any questions about his past. I just want to read a skimmed version here of a bit of the New York Times story, because this really just gives you a sense of things. So Mr. Santos The the New York Times likes to put Mr. and and Miss. It's a very formal newspaper. Mr. Santos said he was attending Baruch College in a time that overlapped in Brazil, where he said he was awarded a bachelor's degree in economics and finance. But Baruch College said it was unable to find records of Mr. Santos. It goes on. A biography of Mr. Santos on the website of the National Republican Congressional Committee uh, also includes a stint at NYU. The claim is not repeated elsewhere, and an NYU spokesman found no attendance records. After he graduated from college, Santos began working at Citigroup, where he became an associate asset manager, according to his biography. A spokesman for Citigroup said the company could not confirm Santos's employment. They also said they were unfamiliar with the self described job title at Citi. And then it goes on and on uh, that he apparently then says in his bio he went on to go work for a company called Make Global. McGlobal wouldn't comment on whether he worked there. Then he says he had a role at Goldman Sachs. A spokesman for Goldman Sachs said she could not locate any record of Santos having worked at the company. It is literally bit by bit, line by line, it is unclear what he's been up to because literally everything in his biography appears to have gone poof here. The (laughs) House Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, it's up to him now because keep in mind, folks, he was elected. He is now Congressman elect. The constituents, the good constituents of his district of New York, do not have a chance to do anything about it until two years from now when he's up for re-election. So it now stands uh, before Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader, uh, who did not answer any questions about this on Thursday uh, and only has a several vote majority. So unless it comes out that he murdered somebody, I don't expect, and most people don't expect, McCarthy to do anything about Santos despite all of these lies. Jill, I I mentioned the, uh, the good constituents of this district uh, he's your <laughs> congressman, right?
1: My congressman-elect, Moshe. Yes,
0: yes,
1: <laughs> uh, yes. He represents the North Shore of Nassau County and parts of Queens. Um, and uh, yeah, I live in that area, so I actually covered the midterm elections for a local newspaper out here. I was just back from maternity leave, and I I just kind of dropped in for election night. Um, and mm. election nights are just so fun, as we've discussed. Santos won by seven to eight points. It wasn't really a close race but it was a a big race this seat's been in democratic hands for years but the incumbent had decided not to run for reelection so it was an open seat so republicans really had an opportunity the mood of the country favored issues that republicans pull strong on um they had this opportunity it's surprising that this is who they chose. Um, It's surprising that they didn't do a better job vetting him. And I am surprised that even if reporters didn't catch it ahead of Election Day, that Democrats didn't sniff it out, again, given how important this seat is.
0: Yeah, there's a headline out of the Washington Post uh, that reads, New York Democrats probably should have looked into George Santos more. Um, And they noted that his opponent, uh, Zimmerman, had a a research consulting spend on his uh, campaign statements of $22,000. The company out of Maryland he hired is called Deep Dive Political Research. Uh, so just FYI before you uh, look <laughs> if into you're, hiring Deep Dive. If
1: you're running for election, <laughs>
0: <laughs> note to self. Jill, the next big thing after the holidays is, is his response. So let's see how he responds to the allegations uh, that where he says he went to college, they have no record of. Where he said he worked, they have no record of. Where he said his identity and religion, there's no record of that. And then the whole marriage thing.
1: From Axios, Senate passes milestone protections for pregnant workers and new mothers. The Pregnant Workers Fairness Act and the Pump for Nursing Mothers Act passed the Senate with bipartisan support yesterday as amendments to that large $1.7 trillion spending package. It is a major milestone for women's workplace civil rights. Advocates have pushed for protections for pregnant workers for over a decade arguing that thousands of women lose their jobs each year, either fired or placed on unpaid leave, because employers are under no obligation to offer pregnant workers reasonable accommodations. The Pregnant Workers Act would now make it illegal to not allow pregnant women things like extra bathroom breaks, the ability to sit while working a cash register, or restrictions on how much weight they can lift. The PUMP Act guarantees workers the right to break time to express milk, Another big issue, particularly for hourly workers who can't always get off the clock to pump.
0: Jill, Congress officially outlawed pregnancy discrimination back in 1978, Uh, but pregnant women have continued to face workplace discrimination for decades since then, with employers often denying them temporary job modifications they need to keep working and have a healthy pregnancy. And so there was enough of a push here for Congress to do more uh, despite that law in 1978 advocates say that the requests over the past couple decades for accommodations, such as frequent breaks, schedule changes, reassignment away from hazardous tests, are often denied to pregnant workers, and they can result in severe consequences for their health and financial security. So this Pregnant Workers Fairness Act was actually first introduced a decade ago, back in 2012, and it's taken 10 years to finally get through Congress.
1: From USA Today, New York City police formally charged a woman who allegedly broke into Robert De Niro's home earlier this week and tried to steal presents from under his Christmas tree. The attempted robbery took place Monday morning at De Niro's rental home on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. According to police, at about 2.45 a.m., members of the department's 19th precinct observed a woman known from numerous burglary arrests enter the residence Officers had been tracking the woman, 30-year-old Shanice Aviles, who they say was known for a string of burglaries in the area, and actually saw her break into the actor's home. The woman entered through a basement door, which had visible signs of forced entry.
0: Jill, it's been reported that he rents his home at about $69,000 a month, by the way, so I'm surprised that the security was so shabby that she was able to get through here. De Niro uh, happened to be upstairs at the time and came down to the living room as the woman was being arrested. So he's just like, what's going on here? It's three in the morning. Who's stealing my Christmas gifts? And the cops are like, we know her. We know her. So when the police entered the home, they found her in the living room attempting to, quote, remove property, took her into custody without incident. And it's clear that they knew who she was. She apparently has had at least 26 arrests on her rap sheet, including 16 arrests this year alone. She was arraigned over in Manhattan criminal court earlier this week and ordered held on $40,000 bail with prosecutors warning that she would only commit yet another crime if she were to be cut loose again. Uh, again, the numbers here are pretty wild in terms of what she's been up to. She was picked up for at least six burglaries on the Upper East Side of Manhattan between November 25th and December 8th. So she was going at basically a burglary every other day that she was arrested for during that time. The last time the judge released her telling her, please check into drug rehab, unclear that she ever did. She decided to keep you know going on and burglarizing. Mayor Adams has long griped about the lax state laws that make it difficult for law enforcement to lock up persistent repeat offenders. This is all in the wake of the 2019 criminal justice reforms that prohibit bail for most crimes. So
1: a police officer here in Nassau County recently received a citation for arresting someone for armed robbery who had 82 prior arrests. And I believe he was young. I think he was like 18 years old. 82 arrests. Um, I asked the officer how that is even possible. And he said the same thing. He said bail reform. Now, that police officer was honored at the Nassau County Legislature. I happened to be there that day for something totally unrelated. But one of the legislators said, um, You've got to assume that the person arrested isn't caught every time that they commit a crime, right? So they probably committed hundreds of crimes. Which means, um, as this legislator pointed out, that there are literally hundreds of victims, real people probably living with a lot of trauma.
0: Yeah, it's it's become a real debate here in New York and, and some other states, California in particular as well, Illinois, um, what to do about bail reform, how to balance the uh, you know needs to try to rehab criminals and not just lock them up forever for small crimes, but at the same time, not be dealing with the situation uh, that you know, De Niro is dealing with, with a woman who's basically burglarizing a home in the Upper East Side every other day being arrested for it and then being released back on the streets.
1: From the New York Times, a new chatbot is a code red for Google's search business. We've been telling you about Chat GPT. It's that buzzy, conversational, artificial intelligence chatbot. Google's management has issued a code red amid concerns about what it means for the future of its search engine. Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Google, has participated in several meetings around Google's AI strategy and directed numerous groups in the company to refocus their efforts on addressing the threat that ChatGPT poses to its search engine business. This is according to an internal memo and audio recording reviewed by The Times. Google's research, trust, and safety division have been directed to switch gears and assist in the development and launch of AI prototypes and products. Some employees have been tasked now with building AI products that generate art and graphics.
0: Yeah, ChatGBT, if you haven't played with it already, literally lets you just like write a line and the artificial intelligence bot like does what you say. So it's like, write me a podcast between Moshe and Jill where they cover these news topics. Go and it'll write you that script. We, we actually haven't utilized it for that purpose yet. I was just like, where but, do
1: we get this thing?
0: <laughs> it's, it's online, it's available, it's free. We should it's do
1: one as just a test. We should do
0: one. A thousand percent. But it, clearly it has folks at Google very concerned. I mean, keep in mind for about 20 years now, Google has served as the primary gateway to the internet for all of us. But with this new kind of chatbot technology, it's poised to reinvent or even replace search engines like Google, because it's basically Google and more and there's a whole bunch of code, a whole bunch of ways that you can experiment with it, and it clearly has the folks over at Google headquarters a little freaked out. Um, one Google executive uh, described the current efforts right now as make or break for Google's future. You're talking about a trillion-dollar company here. ChatGPT was released by a uh, AI lab, a research lab called OpenAI. Uh, Google is actually among the many companies that helped build this technology, but experts believe that Google could struggle to compete now with these newer, smaller companies that develop these chatbots. A reminder here, I I caught this quote in the New York Times piece from a professor from the University of Washington who specializes in the history of Silicon Valley. Her name is Margaret O'Mara, and this is what she had to say. Quote, no company is invincible. All are vulnerable. For companies that have become extraordinarily successful doing one market-defining thing, it is hard to have a second act with something entirely different. So, you know, the road is littered with when IBM was the most innovative company in the world, and when Nokia was the most innovative company in the world, and GE. when Google was GE. And you can think about different eras and those companies being like the kings, right? Uh, and the queens. And ultimately, a new small upstart comes along. At the time, at, at one time, that was Google uh, against Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft figured out a way to finesse itself and survive, but It is a challenge, especially as you start to think that these tech companies that seem so fresh and young and whatever, all of them are, you know, some of them are 20 years old plus at this point.
1: From the Wall Street Journal, Justin Bieber is reportedly close to finalizing a $200 million deal to sell his music rights. According to the journal, Bieber's in negotiations with Hypnosis Songs Capital, a Blackstone-backed investment and song management company, in a deal that would value his rights at around $200 million. The potential deal includes both Bieber's publishing and recorded music catalog. It represents the largest to date acquisition for Hypnosis, which purchased Justin Timberlake's song catalog rights for a reported $100 million earlier this year. And it is the latest in what has been a series of similar deals done by artists over the years as streaming services like Spotify, Apple, and Amazon increase the value of back catalogs.
0: Yeah, so this has exploded in the last couple of years, especially in that low interest environment the last couple of years. But buyers have been having more trouble financing these deals and uh, rationalizing uh, these exorbitant sums uh, in the more recent months. And so we'll see how close he gets or whether he can close at $200 million. Keep in mind, last December, when we were still kind of at the peak of the market, Springsteen sold his rights to Sony Music for $500 million. The Red Hot Chili Peppers sold their rights for $150 million. Bob Dylan sold 600 copyrights to Universal back in 2020 for $300 million. Stevie Nicks sold hers for $100 million. Uh, as you mentioned, Timberlake 100 million. I guess Bieber has gone for 200 million here. We'll see what he can land and we can get here. But it, but it is interesting to note how many of these artists now are just selling their catalog to these big companies, uh, and the company's making the bet that over time, with the repeat listening and streaming, that they will end up uh, profiting off of this.
1: Speaking of music, Mosh, it's uh, our favorite segment of the podcast on this day.
0: Yes, yes. And it's a Friday, so we will have our cheers to the freaking weekend coming up after that. So stay tuned, folks. So before we get to the music on this day, our political historical on this day, and many Americans might not know this, but 47 years ago today, on December 23rd, 1975, President Ford signed the Metric Conversion Act. Uh, It was supposed to begin our process of increasing the use of the metric system so we would join the rest of the world. Uh, it turns out that just 7 years later in 1982 we abandoned our efforts to get into the metric system and we are still using inches feet and pounds here in America
1: i do feel like the metric system it would be so much easier not just because the rest of the world uses it but because it's based on tens right which yeah. just seems like a much more logical way to to figure something out
0: yeah 10 meters is a kilometer you know like it just it's very simple as opposed to 5200 yeah. how many feet are in a mile Something something, totally off. Uh, Jill, I have a piece of trivia for you. There are only three countries in the world that don't use the metric system. We are one of them. Who are the other two? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I would say... <laughs>
0: You're not going to get it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: two different continents. Two okay. other continents represented here. India. Nope.
1: Okay, just tell us.
0: Myanmar and Liberia.
1: Interesting. Because My guesses were based on nothing. Um, so <laughs>
0: clearly I was. Well, not Liberia, right. because we created Liberia in the 1860s, Abraham Lincoln did, uh, ostensibly to uh, send freed slaves back uh, after the Civil War. Um, So that's Liberia. I don't know the origins of Myanmar and why they've refused to go to the metric system. But this is, you know, one of the only positives, I guess you could say, of colonialism is they brought the metric system and a whole bunch of stuff with them. Uh, So the Brits, the French, etc. So anyway, that is that. Uh, Speaking of countries that abide by the metric system, uh, Vietnam. And on this day, 35 years ago, a classic film, Good Morning Vietnam, starring the one and only Robin Williams, premiered in theaters. Good morning, Vietnam! I didn't
1: actually, do it justice, did it? Did no, I?
0: I mean, can anyone do it justice? But I, I thought that was a pretty good, pretty good thing. It actually gives us ideas for new ways to come into the podcast in 2023. <laughs> good morning, Mo News listeners. So, listen, the, we have a year ahead, a lot of potential inspired by Robin Williams. Okay. Now to our favorite part of On This Day, music history. Um, Jill, I decided to look back on the Billboard charts to find the number one song this week, uh, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, and forty years ago. Forty years ago, 19, This week in 1982, number one song on the charts, "Man Eater."
1: Oh, here she comes! Watch out, boy, She'll chew you up.
0: <laughs> Good, a Hall and Oates classic. There. Now let's go to 1992. Thirty years ago this week, uh, Jill. This is a song that most people, even great singers, cannot do justice. So I warn you. Thirty years ago this week. Number 1 on the Billboard charts, Whitney Houston, I will always love you.
1: I, I'm not touching this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let Whitney's song just kind of rest out there. I I I feel like I remember episodes of American Idol back in the day where someone would attempt that song and and Simon would just like, "No. Sorry." Like, "Why?" You, yeah. "You can't never pick a song like that done by Whitney Houston. I don't care what voice you have." Okay. And then as teased at the beginning of the podcast, this week, 20 years ago, with one of the songs that you got to play at the beginning of any workout, Eminem with Lose Yourself.
1: That is one of my marathon songs on every marathon playlist that I ever made. And I would actually save it for after mile 20 because that's when it just gets so hard. And dun, there dun, were dun, marathons. Dun, dun, I, dun, I've run dun, New York dun, three dun, times. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> you're like, his no one are cares. We He's weak, yes. arms are heavy. There's vomit
0: on a sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. I mean, listen, you hear those lyrics and like you, it's like the Rocky theme song. There's like a couple iconic songs that you're just like, I need to go out there and run. I can do it. I can do it.
1: He um he actually opened a restaurant in Detroit called
0: Mom's Spaghetti. Jill, are we ready now for the last cheers for the freaking weekend for the last full weekend of 2022?
1: Okay, let's do it, Moshe. I will kick it off with what I am watching. I'm going to be happily catching up on my beloved Housewives. It's my guilty pleasure. It's totally mindless TV. Um, the Ladies of Potomac and Salt Lake City, they are the, the shows that are live right now. So I'll hopefully get some time to zone out when the kids are asleep. Also, I cannot wait to binge season three of Emily in Paris on Netflix.
0: Jill, I have a lot of shows to catch up on next week. I still haven't seen The Bear and I know I need to get to that. A lot of people have been recommending that to me. Also Severance, uh, which is a little dystopian but uh, and a little dark, but I'm looking forward to uh, completing that. So those are a couple of my... Um, Christmas to New Year's streaming goals.
1: Okay, what are you reading, Mosh?
0: So I love this, Jill, because both of us have books sent to us by the Mo News community. I'm looking forward to reading a book sent by Shannon Martin. She wrote, uh, Start With Hello and Other Simple Ways to Live as Good Neighbors. It's been highly recommended to me, especially as we talk about how divided this country is. There's a, a guide. It's basically a guide to regaining connection with your neighbors, with other people, being attentive, uh, listening to others, you know, some of the basic things you learn in kindergarten that we sort of forget as adults. So, looking forward to reading that, and and all the more pumped that it was uh, written by a, a member of this community.
1: Okay, I'm also reading a book by one of our Mo News podcast listeners, Ashley Feinstein Gersley. She sent me a copy of her book. It's called Financial Adulting: Everything You Need to Be a Financially Confident and Conscious Adult. I looked through it quickly. It's kind of like everything that we should have been taught in high school math classes or college econ classes. So I personally would like to go into 2023 making some smarter money decisions for myself um, and in particular for my kids.
0: Important goals for 2023 and a lot of it uh, we didn't learn in school and probably should have. Um, I'll end here with what we're eating this weekend, Jill. Um, Alice just made a delicious pot roast uh, from the Instagram account Tastes Lovely. She's linked to it over on her uh, account. I'll link to it in the show notes. But uh, we're... We're jamming on some incredible pot roast, thanks to my wife right now. Jill, what are you eating this weekend?
1: Okay, I believe in total honesty, Mosh. I just Mm -hmm. started Weight Watchers because I cannot lose this baby weight hard as I try. Uh, So it could be a couple of rough weeks for me food-wise as I get
0: used to to a new way of eating. I feel bad about talking (laughs) about this pot roast.
1: (laughs) So I will live vicariously through you. Jill, it's the holidays. I know, I know. It's a very weird time to start, actually. I feel like most people start january eating, eating no, plans january on january, january, january yes, yes. Yeah. and i'm just like no i'm gonna go into the holiday season with it you know what i'm not doing anything for the holidays so it's like yeah. why not just start now
0: all right womp, womp. well
1: <laughs> <laughs> i could yeah. lie i'm eating ice cream all week most that's what i'm doing
0: jill good luck with that we will check in with you <laughs> in just over a week from now as we, as she told you at the top of the podcast we are taking next week off There will be one special episode we put out on Tuesday, just after Christmas, uh, with our 2023 look-ahead with uh, the big stories coming up next year and some predictions we're making, as well as some of your predictions. So uh, look out for that next week.
1: All right. Big thanks to everybody for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow.
0: Jill, in just over six months, we launched this podcast back in June. I'm looking at the numbers right now. We're approaching 900,000 downloads in just over six months. So thanks to all of you who are following the show, subscribing to the show, downloading the show, listening to the show. Uh, what looks like if uh, we're on the current pace, we will hit a million downloads at some point in mid January. So, thanks to all of you for an incredible year, really helping us get off the ground here and launch in an incredible way. So, we look forward to putting on an edition next week and a whole year ahead where we will uh, try to break down the news for you and tell you what you need to know and then sing.
1: And read between the lines so you and don't read have between to. Between the
0: lines. <laughs> <laughs> And all of the above. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next year.
1: Bye everyone.